Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus 35. Exodus 35, we're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Exodus. We are almost to the end. We are seeing God's deliverance of his people Israel, his protection of his people. He's delivered them from the bondage of Egypt. He's provided and protected them in the wilderness. Now, they've come to Mount Sinai, and he gives them the law. And it sets them apart as his special people. Now, we're near the end of the study. Uh, Even though you say, well, it's 40 chapters and we're at 35, we're basically next week probably... Well, we, oh, that's right. I gotta remember. We don't meet next week. There's vacation Bible school. Everything's gonna be all set up and, and so we won't, and that, am I right? That's right. So we're not having Wednesday night service. So the next week after that will be lesson 40. Uh, we'll, and I'll tell you why, I'll show you why we skip 36, 37, 38, 39, because it's just putting together the tabernacle. We'll talk a little bit more about that, even some tonight. So we're near at the end of the study. Moses has come down from Mount Sinai. Uh, he's been there for 40 days and 40 nights, getting what we call the law, the Mosaic law, the covenant God made with the nation. As he returns to his people, he comes with instructions. Now listen, he comes with instructions to build the tabernacle, to get the commandments, to have aspects concerning worship, and the principles concerning their life, their lifestyle. But we're, we're thinking tonight we're going to focus on the tabernacle. And so this evening, two things, the tabernacle and giving. Giving. We're going to pass, you're going to pass the plate. Is that right, Brian? Because it was giving, so we'll be passing the plate. But we're going to talk about the tabernacle. God tells Moses to build this place. It's a tent, and we'll talk about it. And second, we're going to see how the people respond to build the tabernacle and how they give toward it. And, and we've got some things we'll talk about as we go through that. We want to see how the people respond. We want to understand God's plan and, and see how it fits together. So let's start with prayer, and then let's get into the study. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for uh, a Wednesday night, Lord, in which we have so much fun, so much things going on. Thank you for the great meal that we had, all the people that cooked it all day and put it together. And just a great time. And we thank you, Lord, for the Bible, how perfect uh, your word is, especially Exodus 35, where we're seeing the tabernacle and giving and all those different things, how everything fits together. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the truth. We know that the things that were written in the Old Testament were written for our instruction. So just teach us now, Lord, as we study. Thank you for each one that is here. But most of all, thank you for Jesus, that he is the one who gives us eternal life as a gift simply by faith. Teach us, Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. When people talk about giving, uh, sometimes people get uncomfortable. Uh, I went to Mexico with Campus Crusade for Christ years ago, uh, maybe like uh, 1989, 90. And in the little churches that we would go into, we'd help them build things. On the wall were the names and the amount that people gave. Had listed on the wall. Uh, what would y'all like on the wall? Like maybe over there by the you know thermostat. Uh, if you'd like to see last week's giving, it's right over there on the wall. But I mean, how do you feel about that? You know, most people think it's kind of private, and there are many questions concerning giving. People say, well, "How much? How much do we give? And and is there a percentage that you give? And are you supposed to tithe? And and when when do you give? And what is our attitude when we give? When we study God's word, there's a lot of a great freedom. We find there's a lot of freedom in the area of giving, a lot of freedom. Let me give you some misconceptions. Here's, here's some misconceptions. First of all, we are to tithe. I want you to understand, tithe means a tenth. So people say you should give a tenth of everything that you have. There's nowhere in the Bible that that's the plan for giving. We'll talk more about it in a little bit. Second, we owe God a part of what we have. No, that's wrong. Everything we have comes from God, and we owe him every bit of it, and we're to use it for his glory. Third, money's evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not evil. Money's just a, a, a commodity. 
And then people must be told what to give or they'll not give. I've talked to people who know that the Bible doesn't teach a tenth, and they teach it to the people and say, you need to give a tenth. And I've actually asked them, why do you teach for people to give a tenth when you know that it doesn't say give a tenth? And they said, well, if you don't tell them what to give, they won't give. I think that's wrong. We're going to see it tonight. Well, let's begin. As we continue in our study, we have moved to the special section. The nation is ready to build the tabernacle, their place of worship, the place in which God will dwell among his people. And how will they build it? How are they going to do it? How are they going to give to build it, which is pretty amazing. And we're going to see Moses requesting anyone who wants to bring an offering, and we'll talk about that in a minute, to build the tabernacle, and their free will offerings. So as we see this section, we're near the end of the study. Uh, Moses has come down from the mountain. He's got in his hand the two tablets which have the commandments on them. He's instructed them, or he's going to instruct them about building the tabernacle. Now, all of this is, in fact, if you just kept reading and you got all through through the book of Exodus and you stop there, and then you get into Leviticus, and Leviticus deals with all the offerings and sacrifices and all those things, and then you get into Numbers and they're wandering around and it gives you some more information. Then you go to Deuteronomy, which means second law, and they're going to give you more law. In fact, he's going to give you more information because they're about to go into the land. He says, you go into the land, I've got to give you more information. And so we're seeing this part and how it all ties together. Now, this evening, we want to see two things. The tabernacle, why did they build it? and the giving for the tabernacle, how they gave, and then we're going to talk a little bit about biblical giving. You know, and the only time in countryside we really deal with the giving is when it's something about giving in the passage or where the passage is actually dealing with that. Let's see some instructions. Look at chapter 35. He, he just starts off by says, Moses assembled all the congregation of the sons of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. And we're not going to read, we're not going to read every verse in the passage, but he talks about uh, working six days and resting on the seventh. He talks about fires on the Sabbath day. Then notice verse 4. Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying. What's he about to talk about? Well, we're going to see it in just a second. The thing that he's talking about is the building of the tabernacle, the building of the place in which they would, 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 that God would dwell in their midst and they would meet with God. Now, when we talk about the tabernacle, what are we talking about? Well, the tabernacle, the word tabernacle means a temporary dwelling place. It was temporary because it was a tent. It was temporary because it could be moved. When we talk about the temple, which was later, and Solomon built the big old temple, they couldn't move that around. It was, it was in a particular place. But the tabernacle was a tent, and, and it had all these different things. We're going to see it in a minute. And, and they could pick it all up and carry it around. Because if you remember, they ended up walking in the wilderness for 40 years carrying the tabernacle around. It was temporary because it was movable. It was a tent. It moved the people as they traveled. Later under David, there was the permanent building, which is the temple. And now, the temple and the tabernacle were not exactly the same. The form, the structure was very close to the same, but they were not exactly the same. Now... What was this place? What did it look like? What was involved in this place? Well, let me show you a picture. Uh, well, let me just say this first. There was a fence around it. Big old fence around this thing. There was an altar for sacrifice. It was called the brazen altar. It was a big old altar. Then there was a laver for the priest to wash. Then there was the tabernacle itself, which was two rooms. Front room was called the holy place. The back room was called the holy of holies. Now, if you keep going, that there in the front room was the lampstand, the table of bread, and the altar. And in the back room was the Ark of the Covenant, and then there were the priests, 
and their helpers. Now, let me just show you a quick picture of the tabernacle. If you notice, there's the fence all the way around it. If you come in from this side, you come to the altar, which is it's just hard to see. It's not a real big drawing. It's one of the one of the few I could find that looks okay. You see there's the altar, and then you see this place of washing, and then you see the tent, and you can't see it, but in the front room is a lampstand and an altar of incense and a table of bread, and then the back room is the Ark of the Covenant. Now, let me show you another pattern which helps you. This is the plan. If you come in from what, that east side there, you come in, and A is the altar, the bronze altar where they offered the sacrifices. B is the laver where they washed. You come in the front room, and on one side was C was the lampstand. On the other side was the table of showbread. And in the middle at the back was an altar of incense. Then there was a curtain right there. And then you'd go into the holy place or the most holy place or sometimes called the holy of holies. And inside there was the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to talk more about it, but the Ark of the Covenant was, was a box. And if you've ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's what the Ark of the Covenant looked like. It was a, a tremendous uh, replication of it. It was just, it was beautiful. And that was a, a picture, really, of Jesus Christ. Now, there's also the priest, and they had certain outfits they wore. We're going to see more of that later on, those kind of things. Now... In Exodus 35 to chapter 40, he actually gives instructions and descriptions of the tabernacle. He talks about the boards and the sockets and the hooks and, and all of that stuff, and he does that. Later on, in the book of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, he gives details on priesthood, sacrifices, and the entire system. Now, let's think about the tabernacle. It, what, what about this place? Well, several things. First of all, it was a place of worship. It was. It was where they worshipped God. Is they would come and they would bring sacrifices as, as offerings and, and they would bring praise and thanksgiving and they would come worship God. Then, there, it was a place of fellowship because it, when they sinned, this is where they came. If they had sinned, they could bring a sacrifice that would cover their sin. So it was a place of fellowship. Third, it was the presence of God. God would make his presence known. The glory of God would be there. And sometimes it would go up and they would pack up and then the glory of God would move and they would move and they would come back down. So in the midst of the camp, because this was put in the middle of the camp, if you can remember what we talked about when most of the study had been done on Sunday nights, that that at, before the, the, uh, the tabernacle was built, Moses had a tent on the edge of the camp that he would go out to where God would meet with him. Once the tabernacle is built, it's put in the middle of the camp. It's in the midst of the people. And then the last part here is it's a foreshadow. It's a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. It's a foreshadow of what God is going to do. The picture is a person and work of Christ. And l l let me show you this. When you think about it, uh, uh, think about, you know, go back one. I, uh, I didn't put this on here. I think I, I made a mistake. But the very first thing that you see when you walk through that first tent, and by the way, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do something pretty unique toward the end. After we get through with this study, I think I'm going to spend at least one week just quickly hitting the tabernacle as a whole. Not a lot of detail. But have you ever thought about this? It, there's three doors in the tabernacle. There's the front gate that you go in by the altar. There's the second door which you go in which takes you to the holy place. There's the third place you go in for the holy of holies. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way for sacrifice and salvation. He's the truth because he's the light of the world and the bread of life and the altar. And he's the life because in that back room is the way of life. And it is the most beautiful picture but the first thing was the altar, and the altar foreshadowed the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It was a picture of Christ coming and dying on the cross. And then 
yeah, yeah, that's good. And then go ahead and flip. Then the laver was the place of cleansing. We're clean in Jesus Christ. Then you get in the room and the lampstand on one side, he's the light of the world. You look on the other side and there's bread. He's the bread of life. You look in the back, there's the altar of incense, which you see is intercession. Hebrews says he lives forever to make intercession for us. Then you get into the back room. I think the next slide. Uh, there's the ark which made out of gold and wood, which is God and man, and it makes the satisfactory payment for our sins. It was called the propitiation seat. Now, in the Old Testament, it was a covering. It was not a payment. It was not a satisfactory payment, but it's the foreshadow of Jesus Christ who is the final sacrifice for sin forever, and he is the, the satisfactory payment. And then, of course, the priesthood. There was a great high priest, or there was a high priest, but Jesus is the great high priest. And not only did the high priest offer a sacrifice to cover sin, Jesus Christ, the great high priest, offered himself as the final sacrifice to pay for sin. So when you think about this building, and we might just take one week to just sort of really hit on it and go through it and see how it fits together. It is so beautiful. It was a place that God would be with his people for worship and cleansing and a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. So we thank God we have the fulfillment in Christ. In fact, all of the Old Testament, everything from the seed of woman to the seed of Abraham to the son of David to the sacrifices, the priesthood, the tabernacle, the feast days, all of, everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus Christ. We have the fulfillment. It's beautiful. He came. He died and rose again. He's our great high priest, giving us eternal life by faith alone, the bread of life, the light of the world, and the Savior. How did they build this building? Because that's what he's told them back in verse 4. Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying. How are they going to build it? Well, part two, if we got it, is the giving for the tabernacle. Now watch this, because sometimes people say things like, listen, uh, we need your help. We need $1,000 to do this. We came to y'all one time and we said, we're going to need a good bit of money, at least $10,000 for the parking, for the uh, sidewalk and like $20,000 for the sign. And y'all gave it. We told you there was the need because the city said you got to build the sidewalk. And if we built the sidewalk, we had to tear down our sign. If we tore down our sign, we had to have another sign. And y'all did it. So sometimes there are times people just say, we have a need. And people meet that need. Watch what happens here. Look at verse 5. Right, let me go back to verse 4. Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. What is he saying? Everybody give. Give to the Lord. See, a lot of people don't realize that when they give, you say, Well, I wrote a check to countryside. Or I get to... It, you're giving to the Lord. You know, it's an act of worship, love, and trust. We'll talk more about that in a minute. It says, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it as the Lord's contribution. And then he starts listing things. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, ram's hair, dyed red, and porpoise. I mean, he goes on and on and on. He starts naming all this stuff. But notice what he said. Whoever wants to give to the Lord from a willing heart heart. This is not law. This is grace. This is free will offerings. Now, I want, as we think about this, I want you to see three things. We're going to talk about giving in the Bible, how you give in the different types. We're going to talk about Israel's giving, how they gave for the tabernacle, and then we're going to talk about our giving, how we are to give. 
Okay, so those three things, giving in the Bible and Israel's giving and our giving. Let's talk about giving in the Bible. And in the Bible, there are two kinds of giving that you're going to find, okay? There's what we call free will giving or free will offerings. And then there's required giving, which we're going to be called tithes. You've heard people talk about tithes and offerings and those kind of things. That's the two kind of givings that you find in the Scripture. Free will offerings are, are, are as an act of worship. I want you to understand that. A free will offering is an act of worship, and it's all the way through the Bible. Required giving, which is also called tithes, is not, is not a free will offering. It is not an act of worship. It is required. It is under the sacrificial system of Israel under the Mosaic law. So free will offerings all the way through the whole Scripture. Required giving or tithes only under the Mosaic law under the sacrificial system. We'll get more that in a little bit. This nation of Israel, remember, he's gone up on the mountain to get the what? What's he gone up there to get? The law. And this is why it's all going to tie together in just a minute. Okay, so let me show you this. There's three big sections of giving in the Scripture, okay? From Adam and Eve to Moses. And what you find from Adam and Eve to Moses were free will offerings. Oh, they were acts of worship. They were given response. Cain and Abel brought their offering. Abraham brought his offering. These were offerings. They were not required in a sense. These were acts of worship. Then from the Moses to Christ, from the time of Moses to Christ, there's the law, the Mosaic law. And there's two things under there. There's free will offerings and there's required giving. And that's why under the Mosaic law, there were tithes and offerings. And that's why when people read Malachi and it talks about, are you robbing God? Have you brought your tithes and offerings to the storehouse of the... You may know? That where? Storehouse of the temple, okay? The te- that's the law. And, and so under the Mosaic law, there were tithes and offerings, required giving and acts of worship type giving, okay? So we're going to see more of that. And, and, and so that was that system. Then from Christ on, Christ is the end of the law to all who believe, and what we're going to find is from Christ onward, we're back to free will offerings. In other words, we give as an act of worship. So watch. From Adam and Eve to Moses, free will offerings. Under the Mosaic law, tithes and offerings. And then after Christ, from then on, back to offerings. Now, why were there required giving under the Mosaic law? Exactly the money was given to take care of the temple, the tabernacle, the priest, and the Levites. It was to support the people who were running the temple or the tabernacle because they didn't get land. They had cities to live in, but they didn't get land. The Levites got no land. And so how were they going to survive? The sacrificial system and the tithe system actually took care of them. Now that that system ended, Christ is the final sacrifice for sin forever. There are no that thing, that's why there's no more tithe system. We're back under the offerings. So we'll see how that fits together. That's that's a pretty incredible thing. Now, the church today, we're not under a tithe system. We're under a free will offering system. Second Corinthians nine seven. Let a man give as he what? Purposes his heart, not grudgingly and necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. That's not, that's not Mosaic law. That's not a tithe system. That's an offering system. Now, people say things like, well, then how much do we give and how do we know how to give and all that? Let, let me just say this. If under Mosaic law, let me just say this. If under Mosaic, Mosaic law they gave 20% every year, 30% every three years, not counting their free will offerings, what should you give under free will grace? 
I mean, think about it. If if they had to give 20% every year under required giving and 30% every three years under required giving, what should you give under grace? You know, it, it shouldn't limit it. It should explode it, you know. So, you know, people say, what, what should I give? I say, well, I, I don't know. I mean, give as God purpose in your heart. I mean, 10%, 20%, 30%. People say, 1%? You know, average giver in America gives what? Do you know? Average giver in the United States in the church gives what per year? I mean, if they give. When I say average, because do you understand that about 60% of the people in a local church have never given and will never give to their church? 60% of the people. I'm not talking about people who visit. I'm talking about members of the church. 60% never give a penny. Never. And then the other 40%, the average is 1.9, 2.1. It just kind of varies back and forth. People don't understand giving. They don't understand giving is an act of worship, love, and trust. It is more blessed to what? Give than receive. You want to get blessing? Give it away. Give stuff away. Okay, so from Adam and Eve to Moses, free will. From Moses to Christ, free will and required. From Christ onward, free will. Now, Moses just come down from the mountain. And... They're going to set up the tabernacle and set up that system. And, and they, he's going to say to them, we want you to give to build the tabernacle. And they, they could give, notice, free will offerings as acts of worship. Now watch, watch this. Verse 5, take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of a what? A willing heart. What if you're not of a willing heart? What if you're not of a willing heart? You don't give. Anybody that wants to give, give. I don't want to give. Don't give. You don't give. I'm giving because I want to give, right? That's what he's saying. If you've got a willing heart, give. If you don't want to give, don't give. This is not required. This is not the tithe system. This is offerings. This is acts of worship. And he went on and he listed some things. And then he talked about in verse 10, let skillful men come and make this. And he, he went all the way through this. And then look at verse 20. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence. He's told them, here's what I want you to do. Anybody that has a willing heart, I want you to make a contribution to the Lord as an act of worship, as an offering to God. And they listened to him and then they all left. Notice, then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence. Moses probably said, I don't know if that was a good giving speech or not. I don't know. Nothing. I mean, they all left. But look at the next verse. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its service and the holy garments. Everyone's what? Heart that was what? Stirred. The hearts that were moved, they were stirred. They, they, they wanted to do this. This is an act of what? Worship. Look at verse 22. Then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and they brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and bracelets and all articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. Who were these people? Whose hearts what? Moved them. They wanted to give. Look at verse 26. All the women whose hearts stirred with a skill spun the goat's hair. They, these were people making stuff, and, and they wanted to do that. Look at verse 29. The Israelites, all the men and the women whose hearts moved them to bring material for all the work which the Lord had commanded through Moses to be done, brought. Now, what did they bring? They brought what? A free will offering to the Lord. This is an act of worship. 
So Moses said, okay, we need your help. God wants us to build the tabernacle. Here's sort of what it's going to look like. And we need things like gold and silver. This, 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 this. Anybody that wants to bring it, bring it. And anybody whose hearts were stirred, they started bringing it. But see, don't you have to tell people what to give or they want to give? That's what some people say. So watch what happened. They gave freely as an act of worship. And, 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 and look at chapter 36. Just flip over. Look at chapter 36, verse 3. They received from Moses all... This is a, these are the, the guy named Belazel and Oholab. And they were going to be doing a lot of the work. They received from Moses all the contributions which the sons of Israel had brought to perform the work in the construction of the sanctuary. And they continued, watch, they still continued bringing to him free will offerings when? Every morning. It wasn't like they had one offering. Okay, we're going to take up an offering today. Well, the next day people kept bringing things. Okay, thank you. Just put them right over there. And the next day people kept bringing. Uh, just, just put it right. Just yeah, put it right. Put it right over here. We don't have any room over there. I mean, they kept just bringing it in. Right? Watch. Watch verse five. And they said to Moses, "The people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform." What? They're giving too much. Okay, can we stop the offering about halfway down? I think we've got enough, right? <laughs> They're giving so much. That, that, and so watch what Moses does. So Moses issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contribution of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more. Guess what? They missed out. Some people missed out on their time to give. Some people probably gave two or three times. Moses said, "Wait, five. the truth. We got enough. We we got more than enough. Thank you very much. We'll call you if we need any more." Right? I mean, that's what happened. People gave as an act of what? Worship. Let me tell you. If we realize that when you when you give, if on a Sunday morning and we say it's our time for our morning what offering, it's not a tithe. It's a what. It's an offering. It's an act of worship. If you have already, I mean, you can't sit in your pew chair and go, "Ooh, oh, give, give. Oh, it's time to give. Let's see, what do I have? Oh, a 20. Okay, I was at a 10. Okay, but anyway, you know, you can't do that because that's not an act of worship. You hadn't planned. You hadn't, you hadn't taken what God has given. You hadn't purposed in your heart. What we have to do is take what God gives us, and from the first fruits we say, God, I'm going to take this amount of money that you have given to me, and as an act of worship, I will give it away to God. And so when it's time, it's not, it's, this is what I, I'm giving as an act of worship. And I guarantee you, if people saw it as an act of worship, they'd give more than 1%. And if people saw it as an act of worship, some people would finally give. Our church is amazing. Uh, right now, uh, we're doing good. We're doing really good. Keep giving. Keep giving. We're not to the point where we're saying, don't give any more. Okay? We're not to that point. Okay? But I think a lot of our people understand that giving is an act of worship. And 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 Second Corinthians 9, 7, let a, let a person give as a purpose in their heart, not grudgingly necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. Look at this. Giving in, in the New Testament is, is, is three things. It's an act of worship. It's an act of love. And it's an act of trust. It's an act of worship. 
Philippians 4 says that what you give is actually an offering, a free will offering to God as an act of worship. It's an act of love. Second Corinthians 9 says it shows your love for God and others as you give, and it's an act of trust. Second Corinthians talks about it when an act, because here's the bottom line. You got a hundred dollars, you give away twenty. You got to trust God, you make it on the eighty like you would have made it on the hundred. Let me tell you something. You will be better on the 80 than you would have been on the 100. Because it's more blessed to what? To give than receive. You'll never miss what you give away. God will always bless you. Your motive for giving is not blessing. It is a truth from the Scripture that he who sows sparingly reaps what? Sparingly. And he who sows bountifully reaps bountifully. But that's not your motive. That's a principle of sowing and reaping. Your motive is an act of worship and love and trust. That's what it is. It's powerful, powerful truth. Uh, I pray that all of us will give as an act of worship, love, and trust. Uh, many people have been taught the wrong thing. Many people have been put under law. Let me tell you, what does law always do? It, it's, it makes you want to go against it. I mean, if somebody says, you have to give a tenth, you go, I ain't giving a tenth. Don't look through this hole. I'm going to look through the hole. Nobody's going to tell me not to look through all. I mean, that's what law does. It makes you, it makes you do wrong, in fact. Law always does that. Many have not understood that giving is an act of worship and love and trust. What have we seen? Israel's giving for the tabernacle is a place of worship and fellowship and a picture of Christ. They gave free will offerings more than enough. The nation is under law, both free will and required. We're going to see it a little bit later. But as believers, we're under free will offerings as acts of worship. So let me give you some applications. Number one, understand the tabernacle. Understand what it was. It was a place of worship and fellowship and sacrifice and cleansing. It was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. There's just so much there. There was the altar, and, and then, and, which was the death and resurrection of Christ. And then there was the light of the world and the bread of life and the, and the satisfactory payment and all of that. So uh, what we'll do is probably, uh, when we finish this, we'll probably spend one, one Wednesday night just a quick big view of the tabernacle. I mean, because I've done a study on the tabernacle, which is like 20 lessons. I mean, so uh, we won't go into any kind of detail, but I just want you to see the flow and how beautiful it really is. Second is understand biblical giving. Don't just go by necessarily what you've been taught all your life. Why don't you go to the Scripture and see what it says? Understand the sections from Adam and Eve to Moses, from Moses to Christ, and from Christ on. See what it says about how we give and what we do and how uh, it's an act of worship, love, and trust and, and, and those kind of things. And, and understand why the tithe system. And by the way, when people say the tithe system, the tithe system wasn't a tenth. It was 10% for the priest every year, 10% for the tabernacle every year. So it was 20% every year, not counting free will offerings. And then every third year, it was 10% for the priest, 10% for the tabernacle, and 10% for the widows and orphans, and then the free will offerings. So every year it was 20% for free will offerings, and every third year it was 30% in free will offerings. So when people say we're under a tithe system, uh, there's never been just a tenth system. It was 20 and 30%. We're not under that. We let, let, let's Let's, oh, did I have that under there? Good. Yeah, from Adam and Eve to, you know, free will, Moses to Christ, free will and retire, Christ onward free will. So I hope we understand that. Then the third thing is let's give as God has blessed us. Isn't it amazing? Uh, with free will giving. I think the next slide says it's free will giving we, as we purpose in our hearts as an act of worship, an act of love, and an act of trust. I just have to say this about giving. I didn't really understand giving. While I was coaching at Mississippi State, I coached there for eight years, and I made it in those. If I told you the salary today, it was it's below poverty level. But in those days, in '73, it was a it was a fairly average salary. Coaches' salaries were not big in those days like they are now. 
a coach, a, a, a assistant coach uh, at Oklahoma State, I mean, probably the lowest paid one is $150,000. In my day, an assistant coach made $12,000 a year. The head football coach at Mississippi State in 1973 made $52,000 total package. Now coaches make what? $3 million, $2 million, one point. I mean, the things have changed drastically. I, I should have stayed in coaching. But anyway, the bottom line is, I st- even though it was, a little, it was a decent salary in those days, I didn't understand giving. I mean, I don't even know if what I gave. But as I began to grow as a Christian and I got to the point where I knew I wanted to go on to seminary, somehow it clicked to me that giving was an act of worship, love, and trust, and that I had to take whatever God gave me and I was going to give away. No matter what it was, whenever God gave me anything, I was going to give away a certain amount. I'm just going to give it away. And at the very first, not at the end, but at the very first, and I started doing that right before I went to seminary. I did it all the way through seminary. I've done it ever since I've been here for 27 years. I've never lacked for a thing. I have more, I, I have more than enough, and it is more blessed to give than receive. And there have been things that God has done in my life that I would tell you a story. And if you've ever gone through membership training, I always tell a couple of stories of what God did and has done and continues to do. And I will tell you this. When you give as an act of worship, love, and trust, you give of the first fruits, you trust God, and you give it away, you will never miss what you give away. And God will bless you amazingly. It's powerful. Martin Luther said, Whatever I've tried to hold on to my hands, I've lost. But whatever I've given to God, I still possess. May we understand biblical giving. May we... May we May we, uh, as God blesses us, give freely as an act of worship, love, and trust us so much. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for the passage. Thank you for the book of Exodus. I mean, Lord, we just there's so much there. Thank you for the tabernacle and the giving and how these people gave and how their hearts were stirred and how they chose to give and wanted to give and free will offerings as acts of worship, love, and trust, and may we do the same. Thank you for each one in this room. Thank you for our church, which is so generous. Thank you, Lord. And we just pray for people in our church who've, ne- if, they, if there's some in our church that have never really understood giving, that they would get it, that they would see it as an act of worship, love, and trust, and, and they would give as, and, and understand it's more blessed to give than receive, and, and they would just enjoy the privilege of giving. Thank you, Lord, for this passage. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.